0: In the name of Jesus. I pray that your house will become a sanctuary of praise and worship right now and uh, that you will sanctify it and participate uh, in the church in the house experience and in the word of God. Also, I want you to notify your family, friends, and networks that it's word time. And if you know anyone that needs a word in season, just go ahead and send them the link and say, come on in and join Bishop Wayne and the ICANN Community Church, are streaming life, hope, help, and healing right now through the Church in the House experience. All right, let us pray. Father, in the magnificent name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we are grateful for another opportunity to connect, to share, to learn, and to grow. And we are seizing that opportunity with urgency right now. We want your word to come forth with clarity, precision, and power. We want it to reach its target in our heart and initiate the process of transformation, even a paradigm shift that moves us from where we are to where we need to be. God, let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer. Let the anointing fall fresh upon us all. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit be present in every house and every home, on every device where this message is being broadcast. And just get all of the glory. Let testimonies of healing, miracles, deliverance, transformations, salvations come forth from today's message. This we have prayed in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints that love Jesus said amen and amen. Praise be to God. All right, I want to read a uh, passage of Scripture in your hearing. It is found in Genesis, the book of the Genesis, the book of beginnings, chapter number 35. And we will read from the 16th verse, Genesis 35, verses 16 and following. It reads, and they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath, And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. His father called him Benjamin. Woo! Hallelujah. Let me give a little bit of context to this before I give you uh, the title for today's message. Um, What we are seeing here is is the death of Rachel, uh, who was Jacob's uh, chosen wife. Uh, You you, you may be familiar with the story, but uh, Jacob worked seven years for his uncle in exchange for Rachel's hand in marriage. After the seven years, he was double-crossed and he was given Leah in marriage, uh, which is Rachel's sister. And he worked another seven years and eventually uh, got to marry uh, his chosen wife. And so there's very deep affection uh, between Jacob and Rachel, and this is a very sad episode in Jacob's journey. Uh, Rachel was the mother of Joseph, and uh, we know that much of the uh, book of Genesis is devoted to the role that Joseph plays in the story of redemption. Uh, but she died, she died in childbirth. She died in childbirth. And uh, she gave birth to Benjamin. And while she was giving birth to him and she was in pain, in very hard labor, uh, she projected her pain onto the child and called him Benoni. And Benoni literally means the son of my sorrow. So she projected her pain onto her son and called him Benoni. But Jacob, his father, changed his name and called him Benjamin. And Benjamin means the son of my right hand or the son of power. Wow and wow. And so my subject today is the power of your name. The power of your name. Woo! And this is part of our identity series. And you know, we're grateful for some of the great anthems that we sing in the church. You know, there is power in the name of Jesus. We sing about the power, the authority uh, that we have in the name of Jesus Christ. But today I want to talk about the power of your name, the power of your name. And uh, so let's start by looking at names, uh, particularly in the patriarchal period in the Genesis. You know, whenever, you know, whenever a child was named, the naming of a child was a very sacred and prophetic ceremony. They didn't name their children based on what was popular, what was fashionable, what sounded nice. You know, uh, typically today uh, someone has a child and, 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 and tries to, to, to get a ring uh, to, to the name, maybe a string of names that, that has a kind of a ring to it. Uh, certainly that's been a practice uh, in the West. Other parts of the world attach a lot more meaning to a naming ceremony uh, like they did in the Bible. The naming of a child was a sacred ceremony and a prophetic declaration over that child's life and destiny. Um, There was always a story in the name. Uh, Whenever you named your child, Uh, you were either prophesying into their future, uh, making a prediction of their future. Uh, You were were making a promise concerning uh, their journey and the outcomes of their life, or you were telling a story about how they came into the world. But there was always meaning in a name. And of course, when people named their children, you know, they did their best to to, to put into the name a meaning that that child could, could grow to understand and learn and learn something about themselves, about their history, and about destiny. But on some occasions, they got it wrong. And this is why we find in the Genesis, God changing people's names. He would change the name. For example, Abraham was originally Abram. His father called him Abram. And Abram has a has a particular meaning. Uh, It literally means high high father okay, Uh, or great father. And it really spoke more about Abraham's father. It was was, uh, Abraham's dad's way of saying, look, the thing I want you to remember is that your dad is great. But we learned that God changed Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham. And he said neither shall you be called Abram anymore. Neither shall you call yourself Abram anymore, but Abraham, because a father of many have I made you. In other words, from this day forward, I want you to call yourself what I call you. I want you to disregard what they call you, because they are often naming you out of their misinformation and their miscalculation and their misunderstanding of who you are. I want you to disregard what they call you. And from now on, Abraham, you call yourself what I call you. And it's interesting that God was speaking of things that are not as though they were, because that is the language of faith and that is the creation code. That is the code for creating. That's creation talk. When you speak of things that are not as though they were, you are materializing those things. And and this may sound super spiritual to some, but the truth is that every physical thing uh, has a spiritual source. Uh, The Bible says uh, that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are Seen the things which can be seen were not made of things which do appear. Uh, in other words, every physical thing came out of the spiritual world, and every physical thing came out of a conversation or a commandment from the mouth of God. And so, when you are when you are speaking, and you are uh, commanding, and you are naming you are in in some sense creating a new reality. And so this is why God changed Abraham's name before he changed Abraham's circumstance. He changed Abraham's name before he changed Abraham's circumstance. In other words, Abraham didn't have any children uh, when god said change your name he certainly didn't have isaac who was the son of promise uh and yet a man with no children God said, from now on, call yourself the father of multitudes. Call yourself the father of many. Call yourself the father of nations. Begin to speak of things that are not as though they were. Begin to tap into your creative capacity and create by your instructions a new reality by simply calling yourself what you intend to be. Call yourself now what you intend to be, what you believe you're going to be. So we see that God changed Abraham's name. We also notice that God changed Jacob's name and the changing of his name was the blessing all by itself. Uh, If you're familiar with the story, you will know that Jacob wrestled with an angel all night and said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the angel fundamentally blessed him by changing his name from Jacob to Israel. Why? Because Jacob, as a name, had meaning, and the meaning was supplanter or heel grabber. Because when Jacob was born, uh, you know he was a twin, and and he uh, uh, his his brother Esau came out first but jacob as a as a baby was holding on to his heel and so he's named based on that history and uh and it really meant you know a supplanter someone who's always trying to grab what's what's not theirs and in some strange way he began to live out that identity throughout his life And his life went in the direction of the name that was placed upon him. And so the angel blessed him by changing his name to Israel. He said, because as a prince, you have power with God and with men and have prevailed. So his new name gave him a new identity. It gave him a new self-concept. It gave him a new self-image and out of that self-concept, that self-image, that self-esteem, he began to live a new kind of a life and realize a greater destiny. I I trust this is making sense to somebody today. You see, fundamentally, your name, biblically, is your self-concept It is your story, and we all have a story. We're living with a story, and we're living out our story. If I were to ask you, tell me about yourself, your story would come out. If if you win or you lose, your excuse is your story. And a person's story was somehow summarized in their name. It it represents your self-concept your self-image, your sense of self, what you see when you look in the mirror, how you think about yourself, how you present yourself, uh, what you say about yourself and what you say to yourself is all based on and summarized by your name. So that when God changed a name, he wasn't just changing a sound. He was changing your beliefs about you. He was changing your concept of yourself. He was changing the way you think about yourself, the way you speak about yourself, the way you present yourselves to others, and the way you require others to think of you. When God changes your name, It is a psychological operation for you to begin calling yourself um, and thinking of yourself in a new way. Woo, hallelujah. Well, I, I I think we're almost through the introduction, and you know I never preach a long sermon. It's the introduction that takes all the time, and I think that we're almost through the introduction. Uh, I just want to make it absolutely clear that the act of changing someone's name from Abraham to Abraham, from Jacob to Israel, the act of changing the name was an act of changing the person's concept of themselves. And I want you to know that God will always change your name before he changes your circumstance. He'll change your name before he changes your situation. Woo. yeah. He changed Abram's name before he changed his situation or circumstance. He changed Jacob's name before he changed his situation or circumstance. And God will always change your name before he changes your situation or circumstance. And hopefully you understand what I mean. He will change your self concept. He will change the way you think about yourself, the way you speak about yourself, the way you regard yourself, what you believe about yourself. He will always change that first before changing your circumstance. Why? Because if we bring the old you into a new circumstance, the old you will quickly reduce the new circumstance to the old circumstance. I'm going to say it again. If we bring the old you into a new thing, the old you will quickly revert or convert that new thing into the old thing. Uh, Somebody help me preach up in here and send up some fire emojis right now, if you know what I'm talking about. So there are people who are constantly trying to uh, get rid of old things and get hold of new things. Okay. I need a new job. I need a new career. I I need, I need a new house. I need a new place to live. I need a new car. I need some new clothes. I need, a, I need a new partner. You know, I, I need a new church. And it constantly looking for a new thing without realizing that if you bring the old you into the new place, the new place will quickly begin to look, feel, smell, and and become like the old place. Because actually, you are the sole architect and creator of your own experiences, and your mind is so powerful that it will quickly manipulate any material thing to bring it into alignment with your state of mind. So if you bring a messy person into a clean house, it won't be long before the house is messy. If you bring uh, an impulsive uh, buyer into a lot of money, it won't be long before the impulsive buyer is broke again. So God's plan is to change your name before he changes your circumstance or your situation. And sometimes when we're asking God for change, we get frustrated because we don't understand the process by which God changes your situation and your circumstance. So we're praying for things to change, and we're looking outside for things to change without realizing that nothing changes outside until something changes inside. And when you ask God to change your situation, the first thing he's going to do is change your self-image and your self-concept so that you can begin to see yourself in the future that is promised to you and you begin to fit the future that is promised to you and you become the person that suits the new situation. And so God will go to work on you internally with a psychological operation uh, by way of changing your name so that you begin to see in yourself the qualities that will sustain the new place that God is bringing you to. Let me give you uh, another scriptural example. You know, God brought Israel out of Egypt in one night, the night of the Passover, the night of the blood. He brought Israel out of the house of bondage. It doesn't take God long to get you out of old, uh, painful, distressing situations. It doesn't take him long to get you out, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. It, 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 it it took a night to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel because the Israel that left Egypt left with a slave's mentality left with slave habits, left with slave language, left with with slave anxieties, left with slave appetites. And you cannot put slave mentalities, slave language, slave appetites, slave inclinations into a promised land flowing with milk and honey, where you're now expected to be the governor, the landlord, to be in charge, to be the head and not the tail, to manage cities and to manage fields and to sow and to reap and to build families and communities, you cannot take that slave's mind and and bring it into the promised land. So the 40 years in the wilderness about purging the psychology. It was about renewing the mind. It was about creating a new sense of identity, um, a new self-concept, and a new self-image because you have to see yourself as a landlord if you're going to be an effective landlord. And if you only ever see yourself as a tenant, then you cannot bring the tenant's mind into a landlord situation because you will corrupt the situation. It will revert and convert back to the old situation. Can I hear an amen? And so God will always go to work on your self-image before he changes your circumstances. One more example from the Bible is Gideon. Gideon was uh, that one God chose to liberate uh, Israel from the oppression, the brutality, and the cruelty of the Midianites. And yet he had no idea of the grace, the anointing, the favor, the calling, the power that was upon his life. So he was hiding from the Midianites. He was in his cave, hiding from the Midianites. But God came to Gideon and saluted him. An angel saluted him in a very particular way. The angel said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. What? You calling, hold on a second. Have you got the right address? Are you sure? Is it me you're looking for? Yep, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Why is it that God would change his personal paradigm, his self-image, and his self-concept before changing his situation because you cannot bring the old you into a new situation and that new situation survive. So before God changes your circumstance, don't get frustrated. Uh, You know, don't, don't become impatient. There's an operation that has to take place first and when that operation is complete, you will agree with God as to who you are. You will begin to call yourself what he calls you. You'll begin to think of yourself the way he thinks of you. You'll begin to speak about yourself the way he speaks about you. You are going to insist that others refer to you in the context of your own self-image. You're not going to respond to the old names. You're going to shake off the labels that have been placed upon You by misinformed individuals who attempted to label you throughout your life. Uh, Perhaps in your childhood, you were called, uh, you know, uh, stupid. You you were called, uh, you know, uh, uh, incompetent, incapable. Maybe a rebel. All of these labels that that can be placed upon us by adults who should know better, uh, who are. Uh, unknowingly prophesying that into your life by calling you those things. And then as you've gone on in life, people have called you things and you carry it around like baggage because these are the labels. Well, listen, listen, God cannot change your circumstance until he has changed that conversation that is going on in your mind. When you pray for, for a new circumstance, God will answer you by first addressing your psychology And he will begin to strip away some of those labels uh, until you get to the place where you fully agree with God that you are who he says you are. You got to agree with God. I am Abraham. I am Israel. Woo! You, You have to begin to call yourself by a new name, by a new identity. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray it happens for someone right now. But I want to bring us now to this story by way of concluding this series in which we see Rachel, wonderful woman, great, uh, great matriarchal figure in the narrative of redemption. Here we see Rachel is dying. She is in pain. She is having a very difficult time bringing forth Benjamin. And uh, and she is suffering and she dies in childbirth. But as she has given birth to the child, she immediately projects onto the child her pain, her distress, her hardship, And she calls the child the son of my sorrow, the son that caused me sorrow. Now listen, if Jacob would have allowed Benjamin to grow up calling himself Benoni, the son of my sorrow, what kind of a self-image, self-concept distortion would this child be carrying around? He would carry shame, stigma. He would feel like he was a mistake, like he shouldn't be here, like he causes sorrow and sadness wherever he goes. He would be shy. He would be socially anxious. He would be introverted. He would have no vision. He would have no dreams, no goals. And um, he certainly certainly would not be a powerful person carrying that self-concept around with him. And where would it have come from? It came from his mother. It came from his mother, which in any normal setting, um, you know, it, it, you know, wouldn't produce uh, such a curse. But because she was in pain, she projected that pain onto the child. Now I stopped by to tell someone today that you must not allow others to project their misery, their failure, or their pain onto you by accepting the criticisms, the labels, and the names that they throw at you. Some people really don't get why they have haters. They just don't get it. They're like, you know, I'm just out here posting on social media and I don't understand why I've got haters. I don't understand why I've got trolls. I don't understand why people take pops at me. I don't understand why I'm never good enough for certain people and and you know, w- when I think I've done my best, they they criticize it as as, as, as nothing, and then if I do win, they say I cheated. I mean, what is wrong with people? Why are there hate? Let me explain where haters come from. Haters come from a place called pain, distress, and personal failure. And when a person is, is experiencing the pain, the misery, the frustration of failure in themselves, when they are dying intellectually, psychologically, emotionally, uh, spiritually, they are dying like Rachel was in, in childbirth, they will project that pain onto anything that's in the way. And they project it by calling you names, giving you labels, criticizing your every move, questioning your motives, and they are not saying anything about you, they are telling you everything about themselves. I mean, what kind of a state must you be in to go onto someone else's social media and post a criticism of them? What kind of pain must you be living in? You are miserable, uh, distressed, and failed as an individual. And you have gone into the full-time business of hating on other people. Well, you're entitled to do that. But child of God, listen to me. You don't have to wear it. You don't have to embrace it. You don't have to lose any sleep over it. It does not need to change the taste of your tea. Let me tell you something. If you get to the top of anything, you will become the topic of many conversations then it is simply not possible to win in life without criticism. It is simply not possible for you to get ahead without someone questioning your motives or questioning your achievements. It goes with the territory. So if you really want to win, if you really want to make progress, If you really want to succeed, if you really want to fulfill your destiny, you're going to have to find right now a mechanism, a coping mechanism, a management mechanism for dealing with criticism, dealing with spite, dealing with hate. And it's understanding, first of all, that all of that hate, that spite, and that criticism is nothing more than the projection of somebody's personal pain. When you understand that they're projecting their personal pain, you don't feel angry with them anymore. You feel sorry for them. Come on somebody. I don't feel angry about my haters. I feel sorry for them. I cannot imagine the depth of pain you must be into. Uh, You must be experiencing in order to go into the full-time business of hating on another person. Well, thank God for Jacob Jacob realized that if he were to allow Benjamin to grow up with the curse that his mother put upon him by naming him out of the projection of her pain, then he would not have fulfilled his destiny as a son of Israel. And so Jacob refused the dying wish of Rachel and changed the name from Benoni to Benjamin. And said, no, he is not the son that caused sorrow. He is not a son of sorrow. He is the son of my right hand. He is the son of power. He is going to manifest power. He is a powerful man, a powerful boy with a powerful destiny and a powerful future. I speak power into his life. I speak greatness into his life. I speak a destiny of greatness into his life and I reject this label that was the projection of somebody's pain and misery. I reject it and I I bless you my son. I bless you with a name that you will grow to to realize is your true self image, your self-worth, and you will develop a powerful self uh, concept that gives you confidence and courage to strive for the very best in life. You know, Rachel was Benjamin's mother. And in this respect, she represents the circumstances and situations we have come out of. She represents the circumstances and situations we have come out of. Some of you under the hearing of my voice have come out of dire situations, painful situations, difficult situations. You've come out of broken places. You've come out of wounded places. But when you come out and God brings you out, leave the labels behind. Somebody help me preach up in here. When you come out of a painful situation, leave the labels behind. Failure is an event. It is not a person. Something failed in your life doesn't make you a failure it failed, you are a winner and you are bound to succeed. And so leave the label failure behind. Leave the label of stupid behind. You are phenomenally intelligent in your spiritual intelligence and you are intelligent enough to be listening and participating in this church in the house experience. Leave those labels behind. Someone called you a bad mother. Someone called you a bad father. Someone called you a bad husband, a bad wife. Someone called you a bad son. Someone said you're a failure. Someone said you'll never amount to anything. Someone said you can't handle money. Someone said you don't know how to look after yourself. You're lazy. People have thrown these labels on you. When you come out of those circumstances, leave the labels behind. And instead of looking to your, the mother of, of your circumstance, look to the father of your destiny. Jacob, the father of Benjamin, said, no, 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 no. He is not Benoni. He's not Benoni. He may have come through sorrow, but he is not the son of the sorrow. He is the son of my right hand. Your father God knows who you really are. And I pray for you that in this season, You will reject every label and name that was projected upon you by misinformed individuals who were dealing with the the misery of their own pain and failure and decided to take it out on you. I pray that you will be delivered from every label that was attached to you from a broken circumstance or situation that you came out of and that you will look to your father God and say, God, You give me a name that I can live with and that I can live from. You tell me who I am. If you tell me that I'm a prince, then I agree with you and I'll call myself that from this day forward. If you tell me I'm blessed, I am going to call myself blessed from this day forward. If you tell me I'm all right, I'm going to call myself all right because your father knows who you are. I pray that this word blessed you today. I pray for you in the name of Jesus that as we move through and navigate our way through the current crisis, the perilous and uncertain times, that there is one thing you will not be uncertain about. I pray that you will not be uncertain about who you are and whose you are. You see, there's power in the name of Jesus and there's power in your name, your self-concept, your self-image, your self-worth your self-esteem, your self-story. There's power in your name. Well, what a powerful message we have just heard from the word of God. And it's now time to respond to that word. The most important response you could make to God is to simply say, yes, yes, Lord. Yes to your will, yes to your way. Yes to God's offer of eternal life, of the forgiveness of sins, and of reconciliation. See, God is extending to you right now an opportunity to plug back into the power to reconnect with your creator. You know, we got disconnected through sin, but we can reconnect it through the savior who is Jesus Christ. And in times like these, in these perilous and uncertain times, we need to live the connected life because as you're connected to God, his power is available to you. His grace is available to you. His heavenly resources are available to you as we live the connected life. And so that connection starts with your simple confession of faith and of your surrender to Christ as Lord and Savior. You can do that right now with a very simple prayer. I want you to pray with me right now. It's the most important prayer that you could pray. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you now just as I am. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have sinned. I know that I've come short of your glory and that I'm not worthy of the things I'm asking. But today I believe with my heart what I now confess with my mouth, that Jesus Christ died for me and he paid my sin debt. He paid the debt he didn't owe because I owed a debt I couldn't pay. And today, by faith, I receive the sacrifice of Jesus on my behalf. Today, by faith, I invite the Lord into my heart to live in me, to become my personal savior and my very best friend. From this day forward, Lord Jesus, I will live for you and serve you all the days of my life. Life. And this I have prayed sincerely from my heart in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not course we would love for you to visit or even to join But if that's not possible we can still stay in touch go to our website at www.icamcommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you until next time this is bishop wayne malcolm saying god bless you